welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. And I love my name so much. I know that this is my name. And anytime you wake me from bed and you ask me, what is your name? I will tell you, I will not hesitate. I will not think because I know that this is my name. And I believe that this applies to everybody here. If I come and call you, brother, that I call you Peter, you will kind of like, Peter, you, maybe, maybe you turn behind. Because Peter is your name. You're not known by Peter. You are known by the name that you were given when you were born. So, so too is the scripture. Christ, one thing that God did for us so much is, is left us his word. And that is why Christ insists, he says that we should meditate on the word of God day and night. When Christ said we should meditate on the word day and night, it's because he already had foresaw, he foresaw what was going to happen. He knew that the, dub, the, the gospel was going to be contaminated by false doctrine. That is why he said, you study the word of God, meditate on it day and night. If you don't know your gospel, the gospel, if you don't know the Bible, it is easy to fall to anything out there. Because, you know, people today, because of the prevailing things that are happening in the world, they have itchy ears. People just want to hear what will make them happy. People are just ready to get, to listen to anything that will get them out of emotion, out of a situation. And that's why you have all these false doctrines and they, they adulterate the world. People put their things and they speak into the gospel instead. The gospel of Jesus Christ is supposed to be, we are supposed to exegist from the gospel. And today, I want to preach from the book of Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 17. Now, I want you all to know that Paul, actually, when he wrote this passage, he was in prison. And I can, I can imagine being in prison with the torture and the torments and the pains that Paul was actually going through when he was in prison. Yet, Paul, even at that same state, Paul still have the love for Christ, the love for the gospel. Paul did not, he put the gospel over his situation. He put the gospel of Jesus Christ over the pains that he was going to. Because Paul knew also that he does not want the gospel that was preached, the push to understand it the way it is. Because it's Paul understood that there were false gospel uh, preaching that was going on. And so actually what we see right now, what was happening actually at the church at Colossae was that. Was that so Paul actually wrote this, this, this gospel to the this letter to those uh, uh, Christians at Colossae, the faithfuls there. So this letter is addressed to the saints in Colossae. Now, Paul, it, it is very interesting to know that as Paul was writing this letter, he was engaging in a combat. According to chapter 2, verse 1, it is indicated that Paul was engaging in a combat with one of the most formidable opponents of his career. The, Paul actually faced the greatest opponent, the greatest challenge where they challenged his gospel, they challenged his ministry, was in Colossians. So even though he was in prison, Paul was still writing to defend the gospel that he has been preached. There's something very important here. Believers, anytime we should be ready to stand and defend the gospel. We should be ready at any time to defend the gospel the way it is. Because this is a gospel that makes you safe. This is a gospel that, 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 that changed your life. This is a gospel that, that you received it. We should be able at any time to stand to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what Paul faced. In spite of the bitter opposition, in spite of the strong opposition that he was having, counteracting his gospel, Paul had the courage to stand and defend the gospel. 
Now, there was a lot of wrong doctrines that has crawled into the church. And there was this subtle heresy revealed in the false doctrine showing that Christ was inadequate as man's savior. Listen to this. So there was a doctrine that was going on. People were trying to preach and add that no. They said to say that we are 100% saved by Christ, that was not wrong. It is inadequate to say so. So they, they added some other things that besides what Christ did, they added the works, maybe works and some other uh, uh, moral uh, uh, sacrifices to add to that. But just to say that Christ died for us for salvation, they were trying to play about that. They were trying to mingle with that truth. And that is what Paul was defending. Emphasis was placed on externals in region. Okay, they put a belief in works of righteousness, ritualism, abuse of the flesh, etc. As marks of Christian way. Now listen, I know as the Bible says that Second uh, Corinthians 5, chapter 17, I think that's what it says. It says that if someone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. All things have passed and everything has become new. That means that the moment a person becomes a Christian, your past way of life, you have completely dealt with and forgotten with and you are living now a new life in Christ. That is why you are a new person. So, to believe that you must act, you must, to, get to, to, to believe that you have to add works, you have to add ritualism, you have to add social life to make, to complement your Christianity, that is wrong. That is wrong because when Christ died on the cross, he died so that our sins should be forgiven. And that is why we today, we as believers, we are new people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said, the Bible says somewhere that life, uh, dark, life, light and darkness has nothing to do in common. Okay, so Paul was fighting for the gospel. He was fighting even when he's present to write this. There was a strange blending of Judaistic and Oriental religious practices with Christianity. So, this is what it means. So, people feel that you can still go and perform all kind of demonic, demonic activities there. And as long as you come to church and you come, you be a Christian, that is fine. They feel that you can still, you can be a Christian and go and live all kind of sinful lifestyle and then you come to church. It, it, it was tolerated, but this was really long and this was what was killing the church. And this is what is actually killing our churches today. So many churches today become complacent. So many churches today because they want to keep the retained membership. So many churches because they don't want people to run away. So they, 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 they don't preach the gospel the way it is. That is why people actually, they can live and do whatever they want after they have a position in, this, in a seat in the church. And nobody will say anything. But I think that as Christians, we need to stand at any time to defend the gospel, to defend the truth. Because we are either, you are either a Christian or not. There is no standing in between. And this is what Paul uh, was trying to fight in that church. So this kind of belief, they call it Gnosticism. You know, to Paul, such a view is unthinkable in view of his own first-hand knowledge. Unfortunately, many Christians and believers are rapidly opening to accept and the so-called Gnostic notion of Christ. And this is what they believe, that he fits in with all regions and systems. So this is what the Gnostics believe, that Christ fits in every situation. Every, he fits in every, he is accommodated in every situation. Even things that does not give God the glory. So this was not true. So Paul was fighting, was writing. He wrote to the church at Colossae to address this situation. Now when we go into the text, we see that in chapter 1, verse, beginning from verse 3 up to 12, 
Paul was praying to the church at Colossae. He was praying for them. Paul was really praying and invoking God and, and praying and pleading to Christ for them, for their, for their strength and their focus onto the Lord. Then now, our lesson this morning, as we go from verse 13 of, of that chapter 1, Paul tells them what Christ has done. Now, it is very important as Christian, it is very, very important as Christian to know what Christ has done for you. You are saved today because of what Christ has done. If you don't know what Christ did to you or did to you before you are what you are now, then you will not be able to defend the truth. I'm telling you, the life that we are enjoying, the Christian life that we are enjoying today, Christ actually paid his blood for me and you to be here today. So we don't need to take that seriously. And that's why we need to defend and share to the other people. Verse 13, Paul says that, who had delivered us? Who here is talking about Christ? Christ came to die to deliver us. He said, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Three things actually that are mentioned in that first verse. The first one is delivered. Delivered here is, let me practicalize it here. Delivered is, 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 is same this way. Like somebody who is really tied down somewhere. Somebody who is changed somewhere. Somebody that you cannot deliver yourself. You cannot set yourself free. Somebody actually who is, who is held down for whatever reason. So Christ came now. He's dead on the cross. He came now. He delivered us from the pit that we were. He delivered. He reached out. And delivered. So that is a sense of deliverance. That we did not deliver ourselves. We did not get saved by ourselves. It was an act of Christ. That he came and died to deliver us. We were sinking in pit. If, if, if Christ did not come, we could have died in that same situation and rot in hell. So he came now. He, he delivered us. So he delivered. So that is why no one, no one should ever claim that your salvation, where you are today, you worked for it. Because it was just a gift. Christ died so is what we had today. That's the first thing he talked about being delivered. And then he goes on, he says that from the power of darkness, Christ delivered us from the power of darkness. We know that the opposite of darkness is what? It's light. So anytime someone is living in sin, anytime somebody is living in sin, or unbelievers who are living in sin, they are living under the power of darkness. When we look at power here, we look at domination. You are living under the domination of sin. So Christ came and saw us in that obscurity. He reached out. He delivered us. Because when you are, when somebody is living in sin, the devil have control over you. The devil can exit into you and enter and exit you and enter. He can use you at anything, any time for his glory. The devil has control over that un un unrepentant person. Darkness is covered over that person. Demonic power has control over you. All kinds of satanic manipulation. They have easy access onto you. But what Christ did was, Christ came. He delivered us from that power. He delivered us so that we should not be influenced again by that power. The power of darkness. The dominion of power of, of, of darkness. That power of sin. Because living in sin is very detrimental to us. Living in sin is very detrimental. Very, very detrimental. So Christ came now and delivered us. And then the next important point that is mentioned there is translated or transferred. So it did not end there. He delivered us. And then from, the, from that influence that was over the dominion or power of sin over us, he did not leave us like that. Then he translated us or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So the kingdom of his dear son, that means that wherever Christ is seated, we are also there. Wherever Christ is, we are also there. That is why today, me and you, by the grace of God, 
God has made a deposit in us, and that is who? In the person of who? The Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is all demonic forces, they cannot reach us because we are being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? It is important to know that what you are today has been paid for. And that's why we live every day to also share the gospel to those in darkness. So they should be as well be liberated. Now, in this verse 1, Paul, there is a reference that Paul made actually for the reason why Jesus Christ came. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me, he has sent me to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison of them that are bound. That is why Christ came. When I, when I look at this passage, then I have every reason by the grace of God to say that, devil, you don't have no influence over me. Devil, you don't have no control over me. Because you know what? I have been bought over by Jesus Christ by his blood. Then he goes on in verse 2. He says that, in verse 2, he says that, in whom, I mean verse 14. He said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of, of sins. When he says that in whom here, he means that in Christ, in whom we have redemption, it means Christ, we are in Christ. And one of the things that he mentioned there, he says that in whom, so in whom is in Christ. We have redemption, we have been saved in Christ. It is Christ in him that we, were, we have been saved. And then he talks about redemption, to redeem us, to redeem us. He gave his life to redeem us, to win us up by giving his life, that sacrificial death on the cross. Of course, then his blood. Wow, very powerful, the blood. You know, without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sins. We did commit evil, we committed, we sinned against God. We committed all kinds of atrocities. When we look at the Genesis narrative about creation, you see that when Adam sinned, that relationship between man and God was distorted, it was broken. And it took only, it would have taken only a sacrifice. Somebody to sacrifice his blood, so that we should be bought over. It's re-established the bridge between us and God. And me and you, there was no human, mortal man who would have been able to do that. But God saw us because of his love. God saw us because we are created in his image. God saw us because of the mercy, the compassion that he had for us. And he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come. He said, listen, you will go and give your blood because of these people. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. And because of you. And that's why we are seated today, because that blood bought us over. He bought us over his blood. You know, blood has power. There's power in blood. There's a teaching about blood. Someday I pray God I will do it. But blood has power. So he did this so that our sins should be, should be what? Should be forgiven. That's why the Bible says that whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. So Christians, as we live every day, let us celebrate the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that has liberated us, that has given us freedom in him that has given us freedom from the domination of, of the, the power of darkness. We need to celebrate every day because someone died for us. Someone died so that my life should not be wreckful or have a, wreck, a life full of wreck of sinful, you know, demonic and satanic influences. I have been delivered. All of us here, if you are a believer, you have been delivered from that. The devil has no claims over you because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen.
As we move on from verse 15 to 17, Paul presents Christ as the head of creation. He presents Christ as the head of creation. Remember, Paul is trying to tell them about this gospel that there is an adulteration of the gospel, wrongful doctrine, heresy being preached in the church that Paul left. And because he, when he saw this, so Paul has to remind them once more, listen, this gospel that you know, this is the truth. You are saved because Christ did it. And that is why we want to remind ourselves today that we are who we are because of Christ. Nobody should come someday and tell you a gospel short of this one. That is why knowing the gospel is very, it's of paramount importance to all of us here. I think I shared this story one time, maybe in our Sunday school class. Me and my wife, we were, we were, we were in one church. We were still living in Frankfurt. I will not call the name of the church, but we were members in one church. In that church, the pastor said, the priest, you listen to this. The pastor said, because he was a member in our Sunday school class, and he said, to him, he does not believe that one can get saved only through Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow, that was a pastor in the church. And that was where I told my wife, I said, from now as we are living here, not coming back. When we, and, and we left. When we left that church, we never went there again. If somebody can tell me, I tell you that no, besides Jesus Christ, there is another way, then that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father except by him. What kind of gospel again should we preach? No other gospel qualifies that we are saved through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So Paul, he says, uh, of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God? Paul is saying here that Jesus Christ is none other than God himself. That Christ is all in all. And that's, that's my topic of my message. The topic of my message is Christ is all in all. So in that verse 15, Paul says that who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. When Paul says that, he was saying that Jesus Christ is no other than God himself. So he is God. Christ is God. And that Christ is all and in all. And Christ is the source, agent, and, and sustainer of all creation. There is nothing that was made without him. Everything was made through him, for him, and for him. Christ, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, He's the only one. We are who we are today because of him. No other source. So Paul was telling them this. And it is good that we also believe as today we should know these things. Because when we don't know them, it is easy for somebody to speak. There are so, much, so, so many good, good speakers out there. Public speak, those who, they know how to speak. And they know how to use some good phrases. They'll coin it very well that you hear, you'll be moved. And you feel that that is the gospel. No. We should be careful. You stand on the gospel, stand on the truth, believe on the truth, because if the moment you, you abandon this, then anything can take you apart. You know, we had a friend who once said to me, he said, Raphael, in this life, there is, you have to have something that you value, that you hold on to. Because if you don't have something in life that you, you value so much that you hold on to, you can then fall onto anything. Very important. So we, as believers, we value the word of God so seriously. That is why we have to hold on to it. We have to really hold on to it, because if we don't hold on to it that strong... It will be easy for us to fall onto any other doctrine. Paul brings out the priority of Christ in verse 17. 
They bring out the priority of Christ in verse 17. And in that verse 17, he says that, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. There's nothing that exists here that is not. What I was, authority, everything that is existing in this earth is through Christ. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Christ is the first of everything. He is the first of everything. By him, now he is before all things. He is before in position, in power, in time, everything. He is even before time. Paul makes them to understand that, that Jesus Christ is even before time. By him means that when all things are in union with Christ, they, they hold together or are sustained. On the contrary, when not united on him, they cannot stand. That's what Paul was trying to make. So in this first part, Paul actually was telling them about Jesus Christ. That everything that the church is today is because of Jesus Christ. Everything that believers are today is because of Jesus Christ. People should hold on to the truth, which is that Jesus Christ is the one, is our Savior. It is only through him that one can be saved. No other thing. No work. No sacrifice. No other thing. And when you are a child of God, you are a child of God all for him. God takes the first position. He takes the first place. He's a jealous God. He does not want you to share his temple with someone. That is why Paul says in Corinthians, he says that our bodies is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit where God dwells inside? He said he who's corrupt or he who, um, I'm trying to paraphrase here, he who corrupt God's temple, God will kill that person. God will destroy that person. So we take our stand with the Lord very, very seriously. Now, the second part we go now, after Paul has really explained to them who, about Jesus Christ, how they got saved, then Paul went now to chapter 2 where he had, a, he had a serious combat with this strong, strong uh, uh, opposition. And from verse 6, Paul says that, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. As you have received Christ Jesus, please continue to walk with him. Don't let anything dissuade you. Do not be deviated. Stand strong. Continue to walk it with him. You have received it. You are believers. Hold on to that, 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 that Christ that you believe in and continue to walk in him. You know, such encouragement like this, we need them every day. Because the way the world is going today, the way the world is, the, the way the church is kind of like being intoxicated, there's a lot of pressure that is kind of like squeezing the church. We need this kind of encouragement that, listen, you are a believer of Jesus Christ. Continue to walk with him. Stand on him. Don't give in. Hold on to the world. Move forward. Look up to him. March on. Because there is a reward. We all know that there is a reward. What's what we're doing for the Lord. There is a reward. And it is coming. He goes to verse, verse, uh, verse 7. He says that, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with, with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in him. How do we get rooted and built up in, the, in, in Christ? When we study the word, when we come to the church service like this, when we get involved in church activities, when we reach out, we, when we get involved in, in the spiritual things of the church, the spiritual life of the church, that is being rooted in him. And that goes to say that we're supposed to be practical Christians. Not only people who come, we come and warm the benches, we hear the sweet, nice messages, and we go back and we abandon the Bible, and that's it, we wait again for another, another Sunday. No. 
you will not grow. You will not be re- rooted in him as such. To get rooted with him and, and to be built up with Jesus Christ is when we are really practical, we study the word. He said meditate on the word day and night. We, we soak in the word, we absorb the word. And the more we study, we absorb the word, the more we go closer to him because the more we understand him best and the more he reveals himself to us. And that's what Paul was telling them and he also addressing us today. And we go to verse, verse 8. Paul says that, he said, I like this verse 8, very important. Paul said, Beware, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. This is very important, right? We should be careful that we should not be deceived today that, no, even though you are a Christian, you can still add to your Christianity this kind of lifestyle. No, even though you are Christian, even though you go to church, even though you do all this, you practice all these spiritual things, it is good that you can still add something onto it. That is actually from the pit of hell. And Paul said, beware. When he said beware, it's like, be careful. Take heed. Be alert. Lest any man spoil you true philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. I think that one thing that should really, really be our focus is Christ. To get saved, become a child of God, to get saved, it is through Christ and only in Christ. And he goes on now to reiterate what he said in verse, verse 8. In verse 9, he says that, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It means that in Christ, you have God is in Christ. He is Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. The Godhead, the heavenly council, I call it, is in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is representing what, wherever he was, he was representing the Godhead. The three of three in one. So he is God and God is him. Then we go to verse 9. So these are some cautions that Paul was telling them. To build up their faith. After he told them what I, I said from, the, from, uh, from uh, chapter 1. Verse 13 to, to 17. Then he goes on, try to boost their faith. Try to encourage them. Tell them to stand firm in the faith. Verse 10, he says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in him, which is the head of all. So Christ has more, he is powerful against all principalities and against power. You know, Colossians 1, 16, 17 says that, Everything was made, created by him. There's nothing that exists actually that was not created by him. So Christ actually is the supreme. He is the ultimate. He has power over all. If Christ does have power over all, that means that he is the ultimate. Satan sees him, hears his name, and trembles. The morning before they see him, they tremble. Light and dark can, darkness can never come together. Christ has power over all. He conquered all. He conquered death. He's above all. If Christ is above all, therefore, the vain tradition and deceit from men and the culture in the world, the lifestyle in the world, they should not have nothing to do with us because light and darkness has no place. They cannot. When light is, darkness is not. There is no way the two can come together. So we are the light. We ought to live and shine as that light. And by doing this is, 
follow the instruction that Paul was telling the church, and he says in verse 10 that, and ye are complete in him, verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of, of Christ. Paul brings something very important here. There was, there used to be, there are some Jewish, part of a Jewish uh, 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 believers who, who used to claim that they said, for the Gentiles, in order for a Gentile, the Gentile to completely become Christians, even though they are saved through Jesus Christ, they should also add circumcision to it. So Jesus uses it, he says, and not that circumcision, but he talked about the circumcision of Jesus Christ. The circumcision of Jesus Christ is actually this. When you, the time, that, trans, that time when you become a believer, you are being removed, circumcision, you are being removed from sin, separation from sin. You don't have anything again to do with sin. You have been separated. You have been removed. Come out of it. So that is a circumcision, spiritual separation. It's not the, separate, the, the circumcision of the body where the, the unwanted flesh is being cut off. No. Jesus made, Paul made this clear unto them in that verse 11. And he goes on to verse 12. He says that, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God, who had raised him from the dead. That is why baptism is one of the very important ordinances of the church. It's a symbol. You show that when you receive Christ, it shows that from the, when, you, when the preacher dips you in the water, it shows that you are, you are buried with him, Bear with him like you die with him and resurrected, you are resurrected with him in new life. You see, so it is important for us to know, dear brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ has paid it all. He went on that cross. He took us, delivered us from where we were incarcerated and chained from, uh, from, the, from the power of sin and all power and oppression of darkness. He removed us from there. He took us, translated us into the God's kingdom so that wherever Christ is, we are also with him. I don't know about you. I don't see your heart. I don't know who you are per se. Like, when I say so, I mean I don't know. Only you know yourself. Actually, you're a believer. You know, it's funny because people have different reasons why they come to church. Differently. And amongst the people who come to church, there are some that just come for the field like a socialization. I want to give this opportunity that if there's anybody here who has never ever given your life to Christ, you have never come having an, you have never had an encounter with the Lord. You have never come to that point where you, you realize that you are a sinner. You realize that somebody paid the price for you. You realize that if you die at that time without receiving Christ, you go to hell. If you have never come to that point where you have given your life to Christ and you, you can call yourself now a, a believer, a say that somebody that has been saved, I want to give this opportunity to you. Can we stand now, please? And I want to bow our head down. As we bow our head down, I want to ask this question. Don't, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, please don't despise this moment. Don't underrate this moment. If you know for sure that if Christ were to come right now, will you, will you, are you 100% sure that you will see God? Are you 100% sure that you will see God? If not, I want you to raise your hand. I will pray for you.
Is there anyone who wants to surrender their life to Jesus Christ right now? Look at what Jesus Christ, is, our lesson this morning tells us of what Christ has done. Is there anyone who has not surrendered their life to Jesus Christ you want to do it right now? Or maybe is there somebody who wants to join the church? We're very grateful. Our doors are open. Anybody who wants to join the church right now, become a member of this church, Broadway Baptist Church, just indicate anyone. 